0: Hey, this is Jeremy Bumpus, and you're listening to The Builder Sessions.
1: Welcome to The Builder Sessions, a podcast where we chat with your favorite
2: builders. We get to know them their stories, and hopefully inspire you to get off the couch and build something cool. I'm Hoff, and I'm Rosie, and on this episode we have Jeremy Bumpus, owner of The Hot Rod Shop and co-host of Car Fix on Motor Trend. We talk about the important
1: role progress plays in sustaining your drive to complete a project, and about following your passions and continually learning each and every day. Please enjoy our interview with Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome to the Builder Sessions.
0: Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's awesome.
1: Oh, we're, we're big fans, have been for a long time, and we really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, well, for those listeners who um, aren't as familiar with your work as, as we are, uh, would, you, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself?
0: Absolutely, man. You know, uh, basically... Um, I'm a hot rod builder. And that's like, that's the passion right there is building hot rods. You know, I started out in, uh, building mini trucks in the mid to late nineties. And we figured out really quick that we couldn't make any money building mini trucks. So we gravitated toward hot rods and you know, that's, that's kind of where it's at. You know, I host a television show. Luckily I've been able to teach people how to do some of this stuff. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm grateful to be able to do what I do. I get to play with toys all day long, uh, you know, and it's so awesome to have uh, people walk in the shop and go, man, you have no idea how lucky you are. And it's like, yeah, I just get to build, build these toys every day. You yeah. know, it's like how fast can we make it? How cool can we make it look, you know, how low can we get it? It's just, man, it's uh i I'm very fortunate to be able to, um, to just build
1: hot rods every day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's the dream. Hey. Um, so, Before you got into hot rods and before you got into building, you want to share a little bit about your background and then how you got into this for
0: sure. So, uh, you know, going back quite a, quite a ways now, um, always wanted to be a teacher. So I knew, I knew that's, that's really what I was after. Right. So, you know, I was going to school doing that while I was doing that, I was, um, I was playing baseball. So I actually was a pretty good baseball player, had some scholarships, did all that stuff. Probably, probably could have kept playing. Um, but, you know, I realized in single a minor leagues, it just wasn't a lot of money there. So as I was playing ball in college and trying to figure out this teacher thing, I was trying to figure out how, what I wanted to teach. So I ended up uh, majoring in English, you know, literature, that type of stuff. So, Um, As I was doing that and playing ball, I was also building these trucks. And as I was building these trucks, I'd have my buddies come over and like, hey, man, can you do this or do that? So I had this big scheme, right? I was going to become a teacher, and then I was going to get out in the automotive world for a minute. And I was going to build some hot rods and do that kind of thing, because I, I think at the time to be a VOTech teacher, I don't you guys will know more about this than, than I would. But back then, what I was always told was you had to have a teaching degree, but you had to have so many years experience in that field. So my goal was I was going to get my teaching degree. I was going to go out be a hot rod builder and then I was going to go back to a VOTech school and I was going to teach body, paint, metal fabrication, welding, upholstery, because, you know, I could kind of do everything start to finish. And um, I ended up, what ended up happening was I graduated. I went to a VOTech school just so I could get the, you know, the paperwork to say I did these things. So I went to a school that had, uh, it was basically like a hot rod school. It was really cool. It's just like Tech. Uh, all the instructors there were from YOTEC. Nice. So I went through upholstery, a custom paint, metal fabrication, did all that stuff. And then I was going to leave, go do the, um, kind of the, the builder thing built for a few years and then, you know, try to be a VOTEC teacher. And the next thing that I knew, I was building hot rods and we had waiting lists and we had everybody seem like from everywhere wanting us to build stuff for them. And I'd never got back to actually teaching and then the next thing I knew I was on tv and I was teaching a whole bunch of people so at the end of the day it worked out my dad was really super pissed off that I quit baseball and uh you know I didn't fulfill that thing because I know he dedicated a lot of time to that but luckily it worked out and uh I'm not you know just digging a ditch somewhere and he's going, man, he threw it all away. But you know, it it, it seemed to work out for me anyway. Did at you, least I think so.
1: So after, after you built him his dream, his dream ride, then he was probably okay. Yeah.
0: With it. Yeah. There's a couple sitting out here that are in my garage that are his now. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got you a couple now. We're even now.
2: I want to be in your class, English teacher by day, hot rod builder by night. That would be awesome. Yeah.
0: It, it, at first it was going to be I I jumped a little bit ahead, you know, to make a long story short, but first it was going to be a teacher baseball coach. So I thought um, I'll play ball for a while. I'll do that. I'll become a baseball coach, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it, it's funny how it changed because it all changed. So last minute, you know, I was in my early twenties still with that goal. And then all of a sudden one day I come home and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not playing ball anymore. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna build hot rods, and then I'm gonna teach building hot rods. And it just it immediately the day I said that, it all changed.
2: Crazy. So, what got you started in TV then? After you went through, you know, graduating, building hot rods, uh, what what got you into or started in the TV industry?
0: What's interesting about that is it was com- a complete accident, like never intended for it to happen. Because even like being a teacher and trying to do that stuff. And, you know, I remember like having speech classes in college and having to get up in front of everybody. I could not speak in front of anyone, dude. I mean, you put 10 people in front of me, I would completely choke out and I could not talk. I couldn't do it. So, you know, I never even thought about being on TV, but I happened to build. So when I decided to get out of mini trucking, I had built this little Toyota pickup. We had just shot it for mini trucking and, I thought at that point, okay, I'm going to sell that one and I'm going to I'm going to build a I'm going to build a Mustang, which I still have. So I built this Mustang, a 67 uh, coupe in my garage, put it on air ride, got it on the ground, did the, you know, made it just a really cool car. Well, one of the first shows I took it to was Good Guys in Nashville. It won a couple of awards or whatever. But I remember I had a guy come up and he said, hey, man, you ever thought about doing TV? I said, no, nah, I've never thought anything about doing TV. And I kind of told him, you know, my background, basically just what I had told you guys. And, um, he said, well, Hey, here's my card. Why don't, um, you know, let's touch base. So about a week or so goes by. And, um, I get an email from, uh, the president of the RTM over there, the first TV show I was doing. And he said, would you like to come in for an interview? So, uh, I think it was that week or the next week I go in for an interview. I do a little stand up in front of everybody had never done it before. was so scared. I could not see straight. And I did that. Um, they basically hired me on the spot. And I think I was shooting TV the very next week. <laughs> so it was really unbelievable. And it all happened, you know, I would say it all happened within a month's time. I was a few weeks I was from just at a car show to being a TV host. It felt like anyway. So it was quite it was crazy to just to jump right into that.
1: So were you kind of burning the candle at both ends there working on your customer cars at that time too when you were when you dove into TV or did you not have your shop established yet?
0: Luckily I didn't have it yet. Yeah that that's an interesting story in itself because the the shop that I worked at is the one that I own now. Oh, cool. So I was working at that shop and me and the owner became really good friends. And fortunately he passed away when he passed away. I just kind of kept it going. So it was maybe a year or two after I did the TV, started the TV thing. So I got a little bit of a break there. Then that happened. And I was like, I'm just going to keep this thing going. So about a year or two in, yeah, then I started. It got really crazy really fast because at that first show, which I'm sure Ian, Kevin, those guys told you a lot about it, that's just a a 40-hour-a-week gig. So, you know, you're working every day like everybody else. So I was – and luckily, you know, that's a couple hours down the road. So I would go film for the week. I would come home during the weekend, and I would work at the shop all weekend long. Sometimes I would drive back home on a weeknight, and I would do that. Um, and, and try to keep up, but man, that was, that was about five years of doing that. And that was, that was really tough because luckily I've got a good crew of guys. My wife is like, she's super talented with this hot rod stuff too. Oh, cool. She understands all she can, she can hop in and work with us. Um,
1: That's awesome. so she
0: they're kind of running ship, you know, so I didn't, luckily she's very good at it. So I didn't really have to worry about anything other than I was very anal about, I wouldn't let anybody paint anything but me. Like I just couldn't let that go. Yeah. So I had to do kind of that final inspection or, you know, that primer blocking s- stage. And then I had to paint it. So then it would be where everybody's shops going like, uh, dude, we kind of need you to paint this one. So if you could get here, that would be great. And then I would, next thing I knew, I was spending Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday painting. And then I was driving back and, I spent three days here and didn't even see family. So it it got pretty wild for a minute.
1: That probably got old real quick too.
0: Yeah, then that was the <laughs> reason that I got out of it from the first show. Yeah. And kind of why I've transitioned into the Motor Trend show because it is two totally different worlds. Really? Um with yeah, with this one. Uh so with at RTM, we would we would shoot, you know, five to seven days uh, for one episode they would you know edit do all that stuff so we had about a nine day window or so that we would be able to shoot one of these shows well on the motor trend show on car fix that we do we film one episode in a day and a half nice so based and that's down in tampa florida so that's that's a bit of a haul and we take luckily we get to take a lot of our cars down there so it's some of our projects and then my co-host brian fuller some of his but, um, you know, so I go down once a month for, you know, three to five days and then I get to come home and everything runs as normal. So
1: that's great. Break yeah.
0: Break and hop down.
1: That's awesome. I think, I don't know, at the beginning of any career, it's easy to, to kind of dive in and, and kind of get, I'm not saying you got lost in it, but it, it, for anybody, it's easy to kind of just like that kind of encompasses your world. And then all of a sudden things kind of give way. And then you sit back and you're like, wait a second, I got something's got to give here. Hey,
0: well, you know, we were having kids at that point and doing that stuff. And, you know, we were starting a family and it, it was just, it was really hard in the beginning to try to do that show and come back, back and forth and be able to make everything work. So that was a that was a really hard decision to get out of that first show, that truck tech show we were doing, because you know, leaving, not doing TV before and then leaving it, basically falling in love with doing TV and then going like, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to do TV again. You know, at that point it was like, am I not even any good at it. You know, I, I do at that point you didn't even know. So I kind of just hopped out. The business was doing good. It was running well. We were, you know, we were able to make some, we were able to make money. And uh, so at that point it was like, we're going to hop out. We're just going to try the business thing for a while. And then, Fortunately, the the car fix thing, motor trend kind of fell in my lap and it was like, all right, here we go. So, you know, it just kept getting better from there.
2: It must be, It must be hard to navigate being a shop owner and doing, having a car show and doing your own builds. You know, it's one thing to be an employee. You can come in, clock in, clock out, you know, over time, certain jobs need to be done. But when you're the owner there's a lot more on the plate that you need to, you know, you can't just say at five o'clock, I'm heading home with my family. We're going out, right. There's stuff, timelines, parts need to be ordered. Customer car needs to be polished before they pick it up. Like that's got to be a little bit tricky handling all that, all those different tasks and jobs.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it can get quite stressful. You know, um, luckily having uh, my wife Kim there and a good crew of guys makes that a little bit easier, but at the end of the day, like, you know, being a business owner and having 20 builds going, there's nothing that's going to be easy about that. So yeah, that's difficult. And then, you know, it's, and it never fails too. Yesterday is a prime example. I was going to go in, I was going to go in that morning. I was going to order parts. I was thinking that's going to be an hour you know, I had my whole day planned out. I literally did zero of those things. I mean, by the time I came in, there was a customer come in, there was a, you know, there's this, there's that, there's one of the guys had a problem with something. And next thing I knew, it was, you get there at six, you leave at six, seven or eight, and you go, holy crap, I didn't do anything that I was going to do that day. And then sometimes you have a whole week like that, you know, and you're just trying to keep up and figure out how you're going to keep things running. But Luckily, I do have a good crew, so it, you know it makes it makes life a little bit easier.
1: That's that's good You're having good people, right? Um, question about your passion. So when you are working on everyone else's hot rod and everyone else's stuff, well, I guess you you, you kind of said you could work on your own stuff in the show. But does it kind of if you work on your own hot rods and or everyone else's stuff during the day, is it tough for you to wrench on your own stuff at night?
0: You know, not, not really Um, good. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, I would think that it would, you know, or I think what it does for me is like the things that I've noticed that I, that I don't do, like I used to do working on cars full time and doing all this stuff is like just my daily driver truck. Like I'll, I'll never wash it and I don't want to change the oil in it. You know, like things that are so simple to go out there and do, like just go change the oil real quick. I would. I still do it, but I would just rather take it down to some dude down the street <laughs> totally. and oil. But when it comes to my custom stuff, like the 2022 Ford Maverick we did, kind of getting back into the mini truck thing and all that, I, you know, my customers I think are even like, okay, quit working on that thing and work on mine. But at the end of the day, I'm working on it nights and weekends still. Yeah. And um, I think I, I'm able to see I still really have the passion for it because, like, with that truck. Um, you know, like my wife has a car too. We've, we've got a lot of cars of our own and all weekend long, all I can think about is working on those cars. Like I want to work on them. I'm thinking about the Maverick. There's more stuff I want to do with it. Uh, we just picked up a 72 Dotson truck for my wife nice. to build her a crazy mini truck. And it's sitting over in our detached garage at the house. Cause we're going to film YouTube around basically teaching people you can build something really cool and high quality in your own garage and not have all these fancy tools we have at the shop. So that's kind of what we're going to do with that. But that truck's all I can think about. Like yeah. right now I'm thinking I want to go over there and, and metal shape some, you know, I just, it, so I think I really still have a big passion for it for sure.
1: That's really cool. I, I I'm, I can relate to that right now. I'm in this phase where I, I have, well, I bought this, I got this um, 51 International one-ton given to me, and it's cool. and It's like beautiful blue patina, and it's been sitting in a farmer's field for a lot of years untouched. And I'm picking it up next Saturday, and I cannot wait. And then I also have this – I bought this uh, 99 Ranger. And so I I kind of – I was a fan of mini truck stuff back in the days. And uh, it's a five-speed – Two-wheel drive, and four-liter, and I'm like, oh, what could, what should I do with this? And I'm constantly thinking about parts I could buy or whether I should just fix it up and just flip it so I can put the money into the into international and I'll figure something out for the next thing. And I, I can totally hear what you're saying.
0: <laughs> yeah planned out for this week i'm doing this to the international next week i'm doing this to the ranger and then i would just keep going until they're both built because the ranger would lay rockers and the
1: yeah the inter-
0: probably it would lay too probably
1: everything would lay everything put some, would put lay, some like, magnesium it's underneath the... <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's interesting awesome. when
2: that passion drives it though right like just listening to you, you can hear you know uh, when there, somebody has a passion for something, mine's not necessarily automotive, but like the woodworking thing, you kind of just, you get mesmerized over stuff and you're like, yeah, you can't, it's hard to take a break from things and it's always constantly on your mind. You just, I could be at the park with my kids and have this little thought of, ah, oh, I want to build this coffee table with some epoxy or whatever, right? Like, I don't know Having for people that don't have that, it must be kind of tough or maybe they don't know any better, but I don't know, that passion is just, I get excited to go in and, And probably for you, it doesn't, does it feel like work? Lots of times when you're in there, you know, you're doing full builds, So it's not just one thing, the same thing every day.
0: The only time that it feels like work is, uh, and we don't do many of them anymore, but when we do an original build, which if we do an original build, we're normally doing, you know, like. Are a more of a rare car, but even though they take so much research and chalk markings have to be in the right spot and the shims have to be their correct style of shim. When it's when I start doing a car like that, I'm kind of like, yeah when's this thing gonna be over? But with you, like, I'm I'm jealous of what you do because um it's funny. I can metal fabricate and I can do all this this stuff, you know, and build these cars. But we've got, we, we bought this house, uh, you know, a year or two ago, and we've been renovating it and all doing all this stuff, and I want to do all this woodworking so bad, and it seems like every piece of wood I touch, I screw it up so bad, yes. and I'm like, how can I build a car, and then I'll go cut a piece of wood, and I've screwed up, you know, I screwed it up, so, and then <laughs> next thing you know, I'm trying to figure out now how to become a woodworker, and it's like, that's the last thing I need to be focused on, but and then um, it's, but yeah, it's like I don't know, man. As soon as I, as soon as I get into anything, just like doing the stuff with the house and the wood stuff, and you know, uh, doing different, you know, doing flooring or doing whatever we're doing in here, I, I get so wrapped up in whatever I'm doing that it, it doesn't even make sense. Like it'd be something I've never done before, have never thought about or cared about. Next thing I know, I'm looking at YouTube videos, I'm reading books about it, I'm doing whatever because. You know i just don't want to be able to do it i want to know how to do it and do it right and be able to tell somebody else how to do it so yeah it's um i definitely have passion for anything that involves your hands or building or you know whether it's wood metal you know, it it doesn't matter to me
2: that's a whole nother rabbit hole there too i can relate to that we we finished our basement a couple two last summer and i was thinking do i hire out the painting or do i do it my own Next thing you know, I'm three weeks watching a YouTube painter and I'm like, I can do this. I went and bought the paint. I think it was like a $1,400 <laughs> paint gun ready to do the doors and trim. And then I finally was like, I don't know if I want to just try this out. So I ended up returning it, hiring a painter. And I was like, I'm glad I did that because <laughs> he was he was in and out in two hours. Look phenomenal. I'm like, there's some things, I don't know, you just get so engulfed. And I think with all the, uh, uh, like with YouTube and the stuff, like the, I'm, I'm a visual learner. So if I can watch a video of somebody yep. doing something... I'm like, I can do this now. So it's kind of a whole other rabbit hole going down that way now. For sure.
0: Yeah, well, YouTube has changed everything. You know, like uh, when I was growing up and learning how to play, my my grandfather taught me how to play guitar. So we play guitar and we learned how to play that way. And you play by ear and you try to figure it out. If I would have had YouTube, man, it's like um, be a rock star right now. But this same thing, like uh, we've got a little pool house over here that the plumbing was kind of busted to it. And I think the other reason for doing stuff is not being able to find anybody to do it anymore. Yeah. You know, like you can't hire anybody. Nobody wants to show up. And for about a year, I think I've been trying to hire somebody to come just do the plumbing in this thing. And next thing I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm I'm, I'm just going to go do it. And within a matter of, I don't know, a few hours, we had it all done. And I was like, why didn't we? We should have done it a year ago. Yeah. So, and it's funny, too, like getting into stuff. It's... um. You know, obviously, you can get quite creative and you know do some crazy stuff, but um, for the most part, as long as you have an understanding of how things work, most things are fairly easy to figure out. You just have to have the patience to be able to do
1: it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So, going back a little bit to when you got started, when you started developing your skills, was there any any individual, any I don't know, celebrity, any professional builder, anyone like that that really inspired you? and kind of got you set on your track.
0: Mm, good question. Um, I might have to think about that one for a minute. I don't remember anyone specifically or, you know, anyone famous maybe. Like I I was always looking at um, you know, like the old school guys from the from the 50s and um, you know, like Gene Winfield right mm-hmm. now who, you know, he's 90 something years old and he's still chopping tops. It's like those guys you know, I I followed along with that, but my dad always had, so we had this little room in the garage and it was just full of magazines. They were all hot rod magazines and I was always looked to them and flipped to them. But I I think if I had to go back to like, what really made me do it was my uncle um, has a little shop in his backyard. He would just always paint people's trucks or cars. Like it wasn't building hot rods. It was just, um, you know, there might be this lady down the road that had a fender bender and, uh, she needed her car fixed and you know maybe she couldn't afford the really expensive shop down the road so he'd be like "You're free me i'll take care of it and watching him kind of bodywork stuff down there and do that and the first mini truck i tried to build at like 16 i think we did hydraulics on it and all that kind of stuff and then he painted it and that just a couple of times of seeing him paint something i knew i wanted to be a painter it was really what my passion was. So I would say he was, my uncle was probably the biggest influence on me wanting to do it because, um, you know, there was, my dad was in the cars, but he wasn't really doing anything with them, you know? So there wasn't really anybody around to watch other than him. But as far as famous guys, I would just say those old school guys from like the fifties, like Gene Winfield and, and those types of dudes, that, those were big influences. That's cool.
2: So probably being part well, a part of i I'll say
0: oh. Um, I don't want to take, I, I need to give these guys some credit Ian, Kevin and um, Tim strange, those guys like that. Um, I was watching those guys too, before I was ever on TV. So that was still getting up on Saturday morning. And, you know, you might yeah. watch it for a minute, Stacy, David, you know, all that stuff. Spike and you see TV. it for just a <laughs> few minutes. And it, that it, it's not that, I don't know that I was necessarily watching it because I was trying to learn how to do something specific. But at the time, there wasn't really automotive shows, but you know those shows. So I would watch that, and that was just enough to give me like the momentum to go like, man, I want to go to the garage and work. Yeah. So those guys too were still, you know, that was a little later on. Those those guys were a big influence on me too, and luckily I can call them friends now and pick their brains and try to steal ideas from them. So
2: yeah, it's awesome. I think that working with the hands, right, And, and whether you're working with metal, you're painting, um, uh, woodworking, a whole bunch of these different, you know, trades or hands-on, you can sit back after, you know, painting a car. How long does a car take to paint, right? You, you sit back after you're done, you're like, holy crap, that's that's awesome, right? Some of, these, some of the things I think take a little bit longer and maybe they're, you know, in some of those jobs, it's a little bit longer to see the end product. But when you're working with your hands and building and you're welding up a bumper or, you know, blocks – block sanding and stuff, it's almost that instant gratification. And then you're hooked and you kind of see that whether it's hour by hour, day by day, the progress you're making and it kind of, you know, re-energizes you to keep going with that project.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that too. And the thing, that's all I needed basically every day when I was building something was if I could make a little progress that, that really like got me going. And what I loved about it back then, I mean, I love it now with all the tools and stuff we have, but, you know, just thinking back on it, I told this story just a couple of days ago that I was trying to build a trans tunnel in a car because I, I had basically laid the thing out on the rockers and I was doing all this stuff. I had no metal tools to do anything. And I remember that I kind of got a cardboard template of this trans tunnel and I looked around and I was like, what, how can I get, shape this metal like that? You know, I was probably, you know, 18 at this time. And I walked outside and I remember looking at a light pole (laughs) and I was like, light pole. And I took the cardboard template out there and it was almost perfect. And I remember taking the metal out and just shaping it around that light pole, which took five minutes, you know, like if it even took that, I shaped it around, I went back in, it fit almost perfect. I just, instead of, you know, I didn't have a break either. So I put it in a vise and I just, um, basically, you know, made myself a pinch weld at the end of the day. And, you know, within one evening I had built a transmission tunnel and put it in by built by shaping it around a light pole. So it's like, there's so many ways you can, you can get a good end result in this stuff too, which I think is really awesome.
2: So, so being, owning a shop and probably, you know, being a part of a ton of builds through motor trend and with your own shop, if you could build anything tomorrow, would you, do you have a dream build?
0: Oh, I've had a bunch. Like that's probably like a, like a top 100 list on that (laughs) one. Um, Man, we, we actually talked about this recently. Like, um, that's so tough. It's tough for me because um, when I say this, most builders and people in general would probably be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But like that Dotson I was talking about basically what we're going to do with that, we're going to cut the roof off of it. We're going to make it a full roadster truck. We're going to graphic the crap out of it. We're going to put it on hydraulics. We're going to do it old school. Like really, man, that fires me up like more than anything. I don't know why, but, um, as far as like, you know, that it's, man, I hate to say it, but it's probably still in the mini truck and stuff. Like all my dream builds are, I'd like to say a Ferrari whatever but it's just
1: yeah. well those are your roots right yeah
0: it just doesn't get me going man that stuff gets me going like um, i know when we end this conversation i'm gonna go oh you dummy uh so and so was your dream build but other than what i've got in front of me at the moment is that's that's kind of the dream build i think and at the end of the day i think every build that i get an opportunity to do when especially when a customer is like or or my own where they're like, hey, man, you just build it the way you would build it if it were yours. Yeah. That makes it a dream build for me at that point. You know, we got an OBS we're doing right now. We got the first roaster shop chassis for it. The owner's basically, all he said to me was, you just build the baddest one on the planet. And that's all I want. So yeah. that's the dream build, you know, So.
1: Yeah. I've, been,
2: I've been following that build uh, on Instagram. I've got a 90 Silverado two-wheel drive with the 5.7 regular cab long box. And yeah. I've got watching uh, trucks when I was younger. I have this huge list that I want to build it up. And seeing that everything you're doing with that, I'm just like, ah, oh, damn, I want something like that. Just to be like, hey, you know yeah. what? You you do it. This is kind of what I want. Do it. Like, man, that thing, I don't know. That That's so cool. And it's kind of a commonality between um, lots of the fabricators and um, – car builders and uh, hot rod builders is that we don't really have a a dream build. It's more of, okay, the next build, because they're involved with so many things and you can kind of tinker and add your own flair to it.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it really is. It's like every one of them, just it feels like a dream build at the end of the day. But, you know, I, I think almost when a customer comes in and they have a way, they want to build it in a specific way and they want this and they want that and they want this. It almost gets, it, it's crazy to say that almost gets in the way. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's like, so luckily for us now in the builds we have most of those customers are if I even I've got, you know, a Camaro in there now where I actually call this guy all the time and I'm like, Hey, um, what about doing this, that, or the other, or do you have any preference in every single time? I don't even know why I call him anymore. Every single time he just goes, however you would do it, just do it how you would do it. You know, and well, yeah. we've got that we're doing now that we haven't posted. Uh, we can't post it because we're, we're going to try to go for the Riddler with it.
1: Oh, cool. A
0: 46 Hudson truck that we, it is Man, when I say wild, like it is wild. We're in the metal phase right now. We're stretching the cab. We're chopping it, building the bed from scratch. We've built the frame from scratch. It's getting a Viper drivetrain in it. It's just, it's wild. And I hate it because I'm so excited about it and I can't show anybody. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like the dark horse. That's eh? the worst. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Got like this huge photo album right now. And I'm just itching to just start dropping stuff out there.
1: Even teasing it, no, can't tease it. All good. Nope. Well, wow, that's cool that you're going after the Riddler. That's really cool, actually.
0: We're gonna try. That's something that um I've wanted to do, but I have a feeling it's gonna be one time will be enough for me. Yeah. It's like we have people, you know, coming and wanting that, but it, it's just um, and I love to try to build something at that level, but it is just, I, even my guys, you know, are like, oh, man, this is like intense, and yeah. it's like it's. So I got a feeling this, you know, I won't say it's the last one, but I'll have a feeling it might be the only one we, yeah. we do other than Which it's is just, there. it's just too much going on for everybody, I think.
1: Yeah. So getting into more of the like skill set type of questions, um, first of all, for, do you have any advice for someone who wants to get started in this industry?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in, um, this, it seems like a conversation I have quite often. Um, we had a guy in the shop the other day and he said his son either wanted to be a car builder or a chiropractor. So, you know, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's two different ends, you know? And it, so he, he asked the same question. I was like, you know, a chiropractor obviously would be a great career. I'm sure. I, I don't know, but I, you know, I would, I would think that's a good career. <laughs> and um, but I told him, I'm like, you know, to me, it's like specialty skills. TIG welding, um, simple things like pinstriping, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, it's, if it's anything that somebody wants to get into, I would say kind of maybe shoot for a little more than just, you know, being a basic mechanic. Yeah. Um, that's still a good career. You know, you become a BMW mechanic or something, you make a ton of money, but if you go to a Votech school and you, you learn the skill of TIG welding, you know, you can you can't find many people that can TIG weld. You know, if we bring people in all the time or we uh, interview people, one of my first questions is, "Can you TIG weld?" And I don't know if anybody's ever said yes. Really? You know? Wow. Yeah, and it just it just blows my mind. So we end up trying to train them how to TIG weld.
1: And then that takes time out of your bottom out of your time and your bottom line too, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and and then pinstriping. You know, there's uh, that's something that I'm. Passionate about, but I wouldn't say I'm, you know, the best at it. But I've got a guy that works for me who is a, a ridiculously good pinstriper, but he's done it for so long, he doesn't care to do it anymore.
1: Yeah. But
0: if you go to like car shows and you watch someone who has a little tent set up and they're just pinstriping, you know, I, I think they're making so much money, it doesn't make sense, you know. So I, I feel like this is a really good career to be in. Feel like right now it really is because um, if you watch Mecom or anything like that, the modified market is going through the roof. Yeah. So used to be the other way around. Used to be the original stuff was bringing the money, modified stuff because you cut it up, based you know you ruined it at that point, so yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. really bringing the money. Now it's bringing big money. So I think it's a good career to be in. My thing, if I had advice, I think you know I used to be back and forth on the Votech you know, type of. Thing or just the hands-on training until I did the Votech school, and that was I felt like I was pretty good going into that. But when I left there, I was I was so much better, you know. So I would recommend people to actually you know take those courses because then they're they're fairly short courses anyway, and they they seem to be less expensive. So I would go that route. And the thing that I tell people the most now is especially the younger guys. They want to come. They they come in. And it seems like all of them, they want to make all the money in the world, (laughs) but they don't have the skill yet. And so basically when I started out and, you know, I could have went the teacher route and would have been a much better career at that time. I was making like eight bucks an hour, you know, blocking on a car and doing that. But I soaked up everything I could soak up. Um, I told one of the recent got guy, younger guys we had. I like, man, if you'll just soak up everything we give you, if you'll um, soak up, cause I've got some older guys who are super talented and I'm like, soak up what they give you, soak up what I give you, because man, you do this for a handful of years, 10 years, you're on your own. You've got your own business at that point. You charge whatever you want to charge. You've got a blank checkbook for a lot of these people. And you know, the sky's the limit at that point, but it, it seems to me like none of the younger guys can wait that out anymore.
2: Um, And I don't really
0: understand why, but, um, they, if they would wait at that out, um, they could do, they could do anything. It can make, you could, you could be a millionaire. I feel like, you know, so
1: that's, that's so true. Even, even where we're at, um, speaking for myself in my, in like teaching, um, a lot of these students, they're always talking about, wow, I did turn this job down because, well, they were only giving me this much an hour and they, I told them I wouldn't start for this much. I'm like, man, you're just starting out and you're so entitled about this. Yeah. Like, whatever happened to the, like, so you're talking to an old guy who started out by scri- washing the, or sweeping the mm-hmm. floors. And didn't get on, you know, the next next time up or the next space up was the you know like the lube rack or the or the wash bay, and then worked his way up, and now he's the owner, and he knows what it takes, and you're you're coming in there telling him what you're gonna make, And you're gonna yeah. you're getting a reality check, you know, like because they see all the and I, do you think maybe social media has something to do with that because they see all this success and all this stuff and they don't they don't notice they don't notice or know what the story was in the first 15 years of this person's career. I don't know.
0: Exactly. But even with social media, just, you know, myself and anybody else, we're not posting the bad,
1: you yeah. know,
0: it's like, we're not, we're not showing you what's how shitty this day was or, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're how terrible that went wrong. We're, everybody's giving you the best of what they can give you. So I think everybody sees that and they think it's just like, it's easy. And it's, you know, it's, um, it's a piece of cake when at the end of the day, it's, it's definitely not. And used to, you know, we'd have people come in and go, Hey, if you'll show me how to TIG weld, I'll work for free. You know, it's like, that doesn't work. You can't. And I even, I told my wife a while back, you know, because it's just harder to find people. I'm like, just go ahead and, pay them good money right off the bat and you can start people at good money now. And it still, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's just, they'll be like, no, I don't feel like doing it today. You know, it's like, how are you living? It seems
2: like they don't, just, ap- it. <laughs> it seems like they don't appreciate the process. They just want, you know, whether it's a finished product or, well, I just want to, you know, get up to this step, but there's a rhyme to reason you need to learn block sanding, you know, all these different steps to get to, you know, these uh, more, I guess, specialized areas. And you can't just start, you know, doing custom rotters. You got to put in the, put in the work and get dirty. And, you know, some of those jobs are going to suck, but you got to kind of work through that and learn through those. And with the wealth of experience that, you know, all these different shops, I think they're a bit um, prone to, you know, not soaking in all that wealth of information from some of the older guys, or, you know, just kind of, it's going in one ear out the other, and they're not really taking that whole experience in.
0: Right. And, you know, w- one of the guys I have is, you know, he, he's he's a legend in the industry, really. I mean, for for the type of stuff that he's built. And, um, you know, I've had him walk up to me a couple of times ago. I told that guy how to do it, but he just, he won't do it that way. And, you know, you got an 18-year-old beside a 65-year-old, and the 18-year-old already knows how to do it. And it's like...
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you don't kid. Years
0: yeah. of building cars here with your two only having a driver's license for 2 years <laughs> yeah know it's not it's not going to compare now that's not to say that he may not be really good or no or you know be very talented at some things but normally it's kind of like you know we've been there and done that we've seen that problem mm-hmm. you know we still I still learn stuff every day you know and and yeah. my guy tells the same thing he still learns stuff every day and you will but You know those guys. It's it's just strange. It's just a different time, and you know I I guess I'm just not going to understand it. But and I'll hope it turns around. But I got a feeling it won't. (laughs) Yeah. But
2: we'll hope. Yeah, exactly. So so you talked about some advice getting into this industry. What about uh like and you've talked about I guess some TIG welding and some specialized stuff. What are some specific skill sets that are important to develop to get into this area?
0: I would say you know I, I guess it depends like when I started doing it, I wanted to be able to do everything. I wanted to be able to build one bumper to bumper and be able to do it all. Um, you know, not everybody wants to do that. So, you know, I was thinking about it just a second ago with that advice question, you know, it's um, a lot of guys just want to be a painter and it's, you know, I think some things you have to do, maybe you get into the collision world for a little bit and, you know, you start, you start learning the basics of just, Working out a ding, you know, working out a dent, out proper filler work, proper adhesion. What's chemical adhesion? What's, um, you know, what's mechanical adhesion? All the, you know, all the basics to that stuff. Um, but not getting stuck in that world, I think that becomes a problem too. Because you you get into that, you start making a little money. Next thing you know, you're you've worked for somebody else in a collision shop, just slinging body filler the whole time. Um, you know welding the same way um you know you start you go to a factory to weld next thing you know you've welded there your whole life and it's time to retire and you never did what you wanted to do so i mean i would say just you know you got to follow that passion you gotta you you obviously have to learn it and i think getting into just a mechanic shop or you know just a collision shop that can get you in the right direction but don't get stuck there you know, um, always have that mindset of, okay, this is what I'm going to do in my lifetime. And, you know, you, you just got to stick with that. I think people get, people get scared to do that. You know, I think people get scared to just like, you know, well, what's going to happen if I leave, but at the end of the day, man, that's, that's what we took that chance. And most, most of us that took that chance, it's worked out well for us. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to take that chance for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: So for someone who let's say they've identified what they want to do, they've taken that chance and then the snap on truck or the Matco truck rolls up, (laughs) what are the top three starting out tools you'd recommend?
0: Oh, I guess, uh, I guess that also depends on what exactly you're going to be doing. Like, um, so let me look, what were my first tools? I think my first tools were a set of blocks, Cause I knew, you know, I wanted to be a painter. I think I did cause when I graduated school, I remember them get, you know, like if you graduated, you got so many tools you could get from the, actually the snap on truck, believe it or not. Yeah. That's where I remember going like, Holy crap. Yeah. I'm not snap on stuff. I need a uh, good
2: job for this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need to be the snap on guy, not the body guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But I think I did a set of blocks. I think I did a cutoff wheel an angle grinder and a set of body hammers. Yeah. And holy crap how much work I was able to do with just that that stuff. Obviously, you know, if you're in this world a set of wrenches, a set of sockets, you know, your basic hand tools. But um, you know, as far as welding and stuff like that goes, I I, I had a 110 Lincoln um, you know, I I got a helmet, which was a snap-on helmet, which my gosh, that was ridiculous too. And um, you know, so that that a set of gloves, a helmet, and you know some blocking tools, man, I was in like for a long time. Was that was all I had to have.
1: Yeah. I think it's a, it's really interesting how things have changed as well. I remember I I am a Wildtech grad and uh, we got to was it 50% off Snap-on when we graduated. And so it was so tempting to just dump a ton of money into these tools yeah. and then but but now things have kind of shifted because there was such... I don't know if there still is. I haven't been in that side of the industry, like, on the floor for quite a while. Um, but it just seems like things have shifted from, like, this... It, before, a Snap-on was, like, a status symbol. And, you know, you made mm-hmm. it as a, as a tech or as a builder um, when you had, like, the, the nice Snap-on um, body hammers or, you know, or the, the Hotchkiss you know, like the, the Hotchkiss machines and stuff like that. No, no Hutchins, sorry. The the Hutchins uh, block sander and stuff, the real expensive tools. Um, but now it seems like a lot of people, especially in light of all the DIY stuff on all the YouTube stuff. Um, it seems like people are obviously getting similar results with not not spending as much money on these tools. What have you seen that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a local store down the street that has your inexpensive tools. And, um, I find myself in there all the time and, you know, we use them. We have, we have good luck with all that stuff. And we also have a lot of expensive tools. Now there's certain things that I would say, spend the money on like, um, a good TIG welder. Like I would I, I can notice the difference in a, a cheap TIG welder and a good, a good TIG welder. Not like right off the bat. I don't know that I would do that. And then some of the metal tools, uh, you know, and like a really good set of metal shears, you know, is a huge difference yeah. from, you know, some cheap ones. Um, so you spend your money there. But body hammers and stuff, I'm using the same set of body hammers I started with. Nice. I don't know how old they are. And I think I got them used, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's stuff like we're we're still using right now my that the older guys telling you it works for me. Uh, he's got tools that he bought as a teenager that we still use in the shop every day. That were just cheap tools he bought from somebody else. So I think you can get really good results with inexpensive tools now they there may be you know at the end of the day they might not last as long as your good tool but i don't i don't think you have to go to the snap-on truck and spend a hundred thousand dollars in tools it's so, like i really feel like when i started out minus you know getting some of that snap-on stuff when i graduated was i probably didn't have a couple hundred dollars worth of tools and you know i, I was able to make a whole lot of money with a couple hundred dollars worth of tools yeah
1: mm-hmm. exactly well jeremy this time has flown by um i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show this has been awesome
0: you're very welcome man glad to be here glad you guys had me
1: this has been so good um so for for our listeners here who want to you know follow you on social media or see what you have going on on a shop level uh where can they find you
0: yes so instagram the hot rod shop ms so we've got a lot. I post a lot on Instagram, probably more than I do anything. I've got a love hate relationship with social media, and I get pounded that I should be on it. So we try to, we try to stay on it. We've got um, the Hot Rod Shop YouTube channel too, and then uh, Car Fix on Motor Trend. Man, check that out on Saturday mornings because that's that's where all the fun
1: happens. Exactly. We'll be watching. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> all right. Well, once again, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we will post all of your social media and all the all the things you mentioned here um, in the show notes of this episode. Thanks again. And thank you to everyone for listening for all of our episodes, um, all of our uh, other episodes and our social media links too. check out the uh, show notes of this episode. Thanks, Hoff. Thanks, Rosie. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one.